Welcome to Classic Lutheran Preaching, C.F.W. Walther. C.F.W. Walther was a parish pastor, later professor and first president of Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. He was also the first president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. These sermons were preached from 1840 to 1870, predominantly in congregations of the St. Louis area. Unfortunately, we do not know the specific dates and locations of most of these sermons as they have been lost to time. These sermons were originally preached and published in German and translated by Donald Heck. They're available in two volumes from Concordia Publishing House, St. Louis, Missouri, cph.org. Thank you for listening. The sixth Sunday of Easter, John sixteen twenty three to 30 The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Dear friends in Christ Jesus, Prayer is one of the most precious privileges that Christians possess through Christ. Through prayer, they are not only in gracious communion with God, but it is also a first-rate weapon in the battle against the flesh, the world, and Satan. Prayer is a comforting refuge in anxiety and temptation, a rich storeroom in which they can find everything needed for their spiritual and temporal wants. In these last Noah-like times, there are countless people who reject prayer completely. They consider themselves enlightened, strong spiritually, and say, God already knows all we need. It is superfluous and absolutely silly to lay this need before the all-knowing in prayer. Nothing can be more foolish than this objection. We pray not because God must first be told of our needs and wishes, but because God commands us to pray. Praying is proof of our submissiveness, a confession of our conviction that everything comes from God, that God owes us nothing and that we must thankfully receive everything from Him as gifts of His grace and goodness. We read of this in Luther's small catechism, in the explanation of the fourth petition. God certainly gives daily bread to everyone without our prayers, even to all evil people. But we pray in this petition that God would lead us to realize this and to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. We find, even among blind heathen, many who know by the light of their natural knowledge, that prayer is necessary for divine worship. These heathen will someday arise on Judgment Day against many so-called Christians of our day, accuse them before God, and condemn them through their example. Yes, it often happens that those who despise prayer, who want to be regarded as strong people, involuntarily cry to God in moments of great trouble. How many? Who? when not in danger, brag that they believe in and fear no God. How many of such boasters have despaired in the terrors of shipwreck, have terror-stricken thrown themselves on their knees, and called on him whom they perhaps just an hour before had denied, and whose word they had ridiculed? There are many who do not reject prayer completely, yet they say that the only benefit is that this way man's heart is filled with thoughts of divine things, 
diverted from the material, and thus bettered. They deny that by prayer, God permits one to obtain something that he would not have received. They say, should God let something else happen than what he has been decreed from eternity, because such an insignificant creature as man desires it? We must answer in this way. It is true that prayer exercises a wonderful, wholesome influence on our heart. This power is by no means the only one which prayer has, however. If it is offered in faith, it is the key to God's fatherly heart and all the treasures of His grace. And if God hears our prayer, He does not have to change His eternal counsel as we short-sighted men imagine. God has also from eternity foreseen it, that if we would ask of Him, He has included even the hearing of our prayer in His eternal counsel. With incomprehensible wisdom, He has woven it into the plan of the government of His world and church. My friends, do not let yourselves be robbed of the comfort of believing prayer in Jesus' name that can conquer heaven itself and get everything that you implore God for. The gospel for today's Prayer Sunday invites me to speak of this certain hearing of a proper prayer. John sixteen, twenty-three to 30 Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I have said such things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. So far, our text. The first verse of the gospel just read gives us the subject of our sermon today. The Lord says, Truly, truly, I say to you, Whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. On the basis of these words, I will speak to you of the hearing of prayer offered in Jesus' name, upon what it is based and how it is prayed. We pray. O Lord God, grant that the instruction which will now be given on the gracious way you answer our prayers be richly blessed in all hearers. Awaken especially those who are in all manner of distress and temptation, so that they neither stop praying to you nor cease complaining to you of their trouble. In firm confidence, may they wait for your unfailing help. Move those among us who have never earnestly called upon you through your word to confess their inexcusable disdain of your unending goodness. Become believing, diligent, and earnest suppliants. And finally, join the host of those who laud and praise your, you unceasingly before your throne. Hear us for the sake of Jesus Christ. Amen. Christians have the comforting assurance that their prayer in Jesus' name is always heard. Their faith has irrefutable grounds. It makes them absolutely certain 
that they do not deceive themselves in this manner. Christians are always certain that all their prayers will be heard because God commands them to pray. Had God not commanded it, it would be unheard of audacity for a man to speak with God, the creature with the creator, the clay with the potter, to pray to him and, so to say, prescribe something. As a subject can confidently ask for something from even the sternest king, yes, if he does not want to offend him, must ask him when his king has himself invited him to ask for something, so the servants of God can and should confidently ask for everything that they need from their heavenly king. In countless passages of his word, God gives his servants the command to call upon him. Not only does the Son of God say in our text, Ask and you will receive, we read in Psalm 50, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. David knew the unchangeableness of God's command very well. He appeals to God's command when he prayed and said, You have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. Psalm 27. Whenever you Christians bow your knees before God, you must say in your heart, If I consider that I am dust and ashes, I certainly would not dare step before you. O great God, your own command, however, calls me into your presence. That is why I come in humble obedience, in the confidence that you will hear me. It is impossible for you to mock me. It is impossible for you to command me to ask for something that you want to deny me. A second reason must be added. God has not only commanded us to pray, but has also solemnly promised to hear us. God not only swears in our text with a double oath, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you, but he also says in another place, ask, and it will be given to you, seek, and you will find, knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Luke 11. What God says through the prophet Isaiah is in agreement. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. Isaiah 65, 24. Here belongs what John says. This is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. 1 John 5. Yes, David goes even farther and says, O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear. Psalm 10. If a Christian ponders these and many other promises of God, he cannot doubt God wants to hear his prayer. Through his heart, and though his heart may always object, how can you compel God to do what you desire? He can confidently ask her. I do not have to compel God. Out of unending love, God of his own free will has already bound himself through his promises. He is faithful and true. What he promises, he must keep. 
The divine honor of his own name demands that. He cannot become a liar. If I wanted to doubt whether he could do what he wanted to do, I certainly know that God is almighty. He can create what he wishes. Nothing is impossible for him. He can do more than we ask or think. He is rich enough to supply all wants, wise enough to find a way out of the most intricate circumstances. He is mighty enough to snatch us from every danger. He has power to turn the very heart. He speaks, and it is done. He commands, and it stands fast. He calls into existence what does not exist. In short, he is a God who helps, and a Lord's Lord, who can deliver even from death, yes, from the abyss of hell. Though no one can deny that God hears the prayer of all believers, no suppliant could rely firmly on God's command and promise if there were not a third reason, Christ's merit and intercession. If a person wishes to rely on God's command and promise, the knowledge and feeling of his unworthiness and sinfulness would frighten him away. His conscience would say, It is true that God has commanded us to pray and promise to hear us. God also says that he does not hear the sinner. Are you not a sinner? Are not your hands, which you lift up to God, much too stained? Is not your heart full of ungodly desires? Are you not an enemy of God through your transgressions, unfaithfulness, and impurity? How dare an enemy ask for gifts from his enemy? Yes, saints will be heard, but, but sinners never. Oh, how unfortunate would we be if our faith would not have another reason for believing that our prayer will be heard. But thank God, his word in no way commands us to look to our feelings and our own righteousness and worthiness in prayer, but to rely entirely on Christ's merit and intercession. Christ says in our text, I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. With these words, Christ does not mean to say that he does not wish to intercede for his apostles. Rather, he says that Christians should not suppose that he, Christ, alone can pray and be heard, and that they dare not try to pray. No, just because they believe in him, their prayer is acceptable for his sake and will certainly be heard in whatever they ask God. Therefore, my dear Christian, do not be so dejected by the feelings of your vanity, your sinfulness, and your misery that you doubt your prayers will be heard. Though you may not be worthy of being heard, your Christ, who intercedes for you, is worthy. Bear in mind that faith in Christ makes even you so dear and precious in God's eyes that he can refuse you nothing. Your Savior is your continual intercessor with God, he delivers your petitions to the Heavenly Father. Is he not able to obtain a gracious answer? As little as the Heavenly Father can refuse his dear Son, in whom he is well pleased, so little can he refuse your petition, you who sigh and implore your Heavenly Father in his Son's name, that is, in trust in his valid merit and intercession. We must also add that a Christian is driven to pray by the Holy Spirit himself. For as St. Paul says, he helps our infirmities and intercedes for us in the best way with groanings that cannot be uttered. Now, is it possible that God would not hear that prayer, which he himself awakened in us through his Spirit? 
Would God not hear himself? That is impossible. As certainly as it is God himself who prays in the Christian, so certainly will God give him a gracious answer. The last reason that every Christian has for praying is that he never steps alone before God. All believing Christendom, the entire holy Christian church, prays unceasingly for all men, and especially for all who tr- her true members, as we see from the Lord's Prayer. She stands day and night before God and brings the daily sacrifice of her prayers and thanksgiving into His holy presence. Since Christians are in the most intimate communion with one another and are all members of one body, one prays for all and all for one. Courage may fail a weak Christian when he looks only upon himself. But when he recalls that every day millions include him in their Lord's Prayer, that he is in the rank and file of a great host of countless believing petitioners with whom he appears before God, this must strengthen him. And so it is that we can be certain that the hearing of the prayer in Jesus' name has an unchangeable basis. It is based on God's command and promise, on Christ's complete perfect merit, apprehended in faith, on his continual intercession, on the intercession of the Holy Spirit, and finally, on the intimate communion between all believers and saints on earth. Oh, how blessed is a Christian! There is no necessary and wholesome benefit for body and soul that he cannot receive through prayer, and there is no harm, be it ever so great, that he cannot avert through prayer. For his prayer is heard at all times. This, however, takes place in different ways. And this is the second point on which we now speak. The first way in which prayer is heard by God, giving the Christian what, how, and when he asks. If according to his eternal wisdom, God sees that for which we ask is beneficial in the matter, and at the time for which we desire it, he does what we wish. In that case, he often brings help in a way that no man could have devised or suspected. He often directs things so that even the circumstances and the men who were opposed to our wish must assist him. Yes, God performs a great miracle if it is necessary that our hope in him should not be ashamed. How many examples of such noteworthy answers to prayer we find in the Holy Scriptures? Through prayer, Jacob obtained guardian angels as his traveling companions. Through prayer, Joshua lengthened the day, and Hezekiah, who was deathly sick, his life. Through prayer, Solomon became the world's wisest man. Through prayer, Elijah closed and opened the heavens. Through prayer, Daniel closed the jaws of the lions, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thwarted the fire's power. Through prayer, the malefactor on the cross entered paradise immediately. Old Simeon received a peaceful journey home, and the crushed publican the assurance of his state of grace. Through prayer, the whole city of Nineveh averted the divine judgment that threatened. Through prayer, the heathen Cornelius had the pure gospel preached to him. Through prayer, the congregation at Jerusalem caused Peter to be freed from his imprisonment by an angel. If we examine the history of the Christian church, we hear that, through prayer, 
pious Monica caused her son, Augustine, to be brought around by God's grace and made a pillar of the church. Through prayer, awakened three who were sick unto death, Melanchthon, Myconius, and his wife. Yes, as in faith he himself asserted in advance, delayed in his lifetime the religious war which threatened. Yet, who may mention all the wonderful answers to prayer through which God has so decisively revealed his truth to those who pay attention to it? It certainly is not to be denied that God does not always answer prayer immediately. He often leaves the suppliant to wait. If a Mary says to Jesus, they have no wine, he answers her, my hour has not yet come, John 2. That is only another way of answering. For the help that God has delayed is not necessarily denied. If he does not help in every fix, he helps when it is necessary. God often wisely delays. He, he alone knows the hour in which the help or good things for which we prayed are beneficial to us. Through delay, he seeks to awaken our earnestness in prayer. Do not be frightened, my dear Christian, if you do not immediately receive that for which you implore God. Think of Jesus. He was heard at all times, yet in Gethsemane he had to wait for his Father's help. He did not let the cup pass by immediately. Jesus had to descend even deeper into the waves of anguish. But what did he do? Did he become impatient? Did he become despondent? No, far from it. He prayed ever more fervently. Follow his example. And finally, you will also joyfully see God's help. Finally, God has another way of hearing prayer, and that is his best. He does not give us what we ask for, but something else, and then always something better. A person often supposes that God does not want to hear him at all. Job sighed, I cry to you for help, and you do not answer me. I stand, and you only look at me. You have turned cruel to me. Job 30. Moreover, Jeremiah prayed, you have wrapped yourself with a cloud so that no prayer can pass through. Lamentations 3. Oh, to be sure, my friends, when things do not become better as we pray, but apparently only worse, those are times of severe testing. We should then direct our eyes to the hand of God. He is always helping, not only as we think. Does he not grant our prayer when he gives us something better than what we desire? Was Paul not heard when he begged for deliverance from the buffeting of Satan and received instead the assurance of grace? Was Moses not heard when he begged to be admitted into the earthly Canaan and instead was taken up into the heavenly Canaan? Was David not heard when he prayed for the life of his little son and he entered into eternal life? Was not the prodigal son when he prayed to become a servant in his father's house, but instead received as the dear son of the family? Or is it not our prayer answered when we receive a palace instead of the hut we prayed for, much instead of little, great things instead of insignificant, something eternal instead of something passing? Many will perhaps say that, though this is good, 
God does not really grant our prayer when we do not receive what we ask for. St. Paul answers, We do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Romans 8. We often do not understand our own prayer. With our mouth we pray for a certain gift that would do us harm. The Holy Spirit, however, who lives in us, sighs without our knowing for something else more beneficial, better, greater. And God, who understands the purport of even our hidden petition, gives us the better thing. Does he not therefore truly hear us? We must guard ourselves against praying unconditionally for an earthly gift or trying to force something from God when we do not know whether it is good for us. Rachel is a warning example. She stormed God's throne in prayer for children. And see, the Lord finally answered her prayer. But the hour of the birth of her child was the hour of her painful death. Nevertheless, we should pray in firm faith. Our believing prayer is never in vain. Every such prayer is a seed from which, here or hereafter, precious fruit follows. It is an empty pail that is lowered into the veil of divine goodness and will be drawn up filled to the brim. In all trouble or misery, be it small or great, confidently take your refuge in prayer. It will not be in vain. Never tire in prayer, but in all anxiety pray continually. Pray in the church with the congregation. Pray in your homes with your families. Pray in the quiet, pious solitude of your chamber. Whether you walk or stand, eat or drink, work or rest, alone or in company, happy or sad, at least in the hidden chamber of your heart. And God, as the Lord expressly says, will reward you openly. You, who could not and did not desire to pray to be heard because your conscience is not yet cleansed from your dead works through faith in Jesus Christ, you, who still are God's enemies through your love of sin, who never ask for his grace and help, you, who at the most babble now and then with your lips, sometimes say many empty words, sometimes put God's, God off with your short, cold sighs, recognize from your wretched, miserable praying, that this is not real praying, you who do not even desire that for which you pray. Recognize from this that you are still not Christians, for a diligent, earnest, suppliant, and a Christian are one and the same. Repent, therefore. Recognize your unconverted, ungodly, fleshly ways, and pray God for the spirit of faith. You will then also receive the spirit of grace and prayer. How gladly God would pour him over you. Do not, however, grieve him through new sins, but follow his holy guiding. You will then go through this world praying, daily make new blessed experiences of God's answers. He will finally hear also your last prayer and will lead you through death from danger into security, from this miserable world into the blessed heaven. May Jesus Christ help us all in this way. Amen. You've been listening to Classic Lutheran Preaching, CFW Walther. 
These sermons are available in two volumes as a part of Walther's Works, Concordia Publishing House, St. Louis, Missouri, cph.org. We thank you for tuning in, and we pray that God's Word has and will continue to be a great blessing in your life. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska.